The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Medjinomics with a friend of Medjugorje. Lee, Manchin, McConnell, Moran, Paul, Purdue, Portman, Sullivan. Welcome to our Fox News live coverage of the Senate vote to confirm Brett Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court. I'm Chris Wallace. And I'm Shannon Bream. We are here in Washington. You're going to listen live as they're talking through the votes now, the roll call as you listen to hear the tallies, what at this moment appear to be a confirmation for Kavanaugh. Senators voting in the negative. Baldwin, Bennett, Blumenthal, Booker, Brown, Cantwell, Cardin, Casey, Coons, Cortez Masto, Udall, Van Hollen, Warner, Warren, White House, Wyden. What's going on right now is that uh, they are waiting for senators who missed the first roll call, and there were a few who did, to come to the floor and to vote, and then they'll have the final tally. Early in the uh, roll call, uh, there was quite a lot of disruption, in fact, very unusual amount of disruption in the Senate gallery. When they began the roll call, it sounded mostly like female voices shouting very much in opposition to the Kavanaugh nomination. You could hear one of the female protesters up in the Senate gallery shout and call Flake a coward. Here we go. 
Are there any senators in the chamber who wish to vote or change a vote? If not, on this vote, the ayes are 50, the nays are 48. The nomination of Brett M. Kavanaugh of Maryland to be an associate justice of the Supreme Court of the United States is confirmed. Majority Leader. I ask consent the motion to reconsider be considered made and laid upon the table and the President be immediately notified of the Senate's action. Without objection. I suggest the applicable quorum. Sergeant at Arms will restore order in the gallery. Good afternoon. I'm Jonathan Carl, and we're coming on the air with breaking news. The Senate just moments ago voted to confirm Brett Kavanaugh to the U.S. Supreme Court, completing a polarizing chapter in American history and cementing a conservative shift for the nation's high court for a generation. The vote, 50 to 48, is the narrowest margin for a Supreme Court confirmation in more than 130 years. The nomination process bitterly divided the Senate. The confirmation thrown into a tailspin. Hundreds of protesters are gathered outside of the Capitol and the Supreme Court. John, I've talked with members on both sides of the aisle here who say this fight was so brutal, it marks a new low in the partisan divide. And make no mistake, this confirmation marks a huge victory for President Trump. This is a very exciting time. Anytime you have a chance to put a Supreme Court justice in position, and in this case, I think he's going to be a great, great Supreme Court justice for many years. It's a very exciting time. Members of Congress, members of the Cabinet, honored guests, and fellow Americans, we're gathered together this evening for a truly momentous occasion. I would like to begin tonight's proceeding differently than perhaps any other event of such magnitude. On behalf of our nation, I want to apologize to Brett and the entire Kavanaugh family for the terrible pain and suffering you have been forced to endure. Those who step forward to serve our country deserve a fair and dignified evaluation not a campaign of political and personal destruction based on lies and deception. What happened to the Kavanaugh family violates every notion of fairness, decency, and due process. Our country, a man must always be presumed innocent unless and until proven guilty. (laughs) Margaret and Liza, your father is a great man. He is a man of decency, character, kindness, and courage. And now, from the bench of our nation's highest court, your father will defend the eternal rights and freedoms of all Americans. Let us ask God to bless Justice Kavanaugh and his family as they embark on this incredible journey together. I now invite Justice Brett Kavanaugh to come forward and to take the judicial oath. I, Brett M. Kavanaugh, do solemnly swear that I will administer justice without respect to persons, that I will administer justice under the Constitution and laws of the United States. So help me God. So help me God. What you have just heard is everything about Medjugorje. A clash of light and darkness. 
Now we understand what Our Lady was talking about when she said on January 25th, 1993, thus, only thus. You might say, what does that mean? That's how Our Lady said it. Thus, only thus, shall you be able to discern the signs of this time. There's only one way she is saying to discern the signs of the time. So what did Our Lady say before thus, only thus? The preceding sentence says, May there only dwell love for God and for your neighbor. Thus, only thus, shall you be able to discern the signs of this time. That's how you understand it. You cannot, my friends, discern and see the signs if you don't love. If you do not love your neighbor, if you don't love God, you won't know what's going on. A lady made it clear to us. It's only those who embrace this principle of Our Lady saying, love your neighbor, and then you will be able to completely to see the signs of the times. Our Lady continues. I am with you and I guide you in a new time. New time meaning singular, not new times, plural. Because if you say times, plural, you're talking about 2,000 years of Christianity. Go back to the beginning of Christianity, to today. How the church operated, when it was persecuted, when it grew, when it didn't grow. When you look at different times in history, that's what you're doing. Signs of the times. That covers a broad spectrum of time, of history, that we've heard her say, look at the signs of the times. But she's saying now, of this time, people, we have entered into August 2nd, 1981. A great struggle is about to unfold. That's a new time. About to unfold between my son and Satan. Human souls are at stake. You just heard the clashing of a war in Washington. Because it wasn't Kavanaugh. It wasn't Trump. It wasn't the Democrats. It is light and dark. Why? Because what's at stake? Abortion, marriage, school prayer, and many other things on this list that are ladies here for the turning point. And she spoke about this, and it's happening. And that's why this clash was such a war between light and darkness. Not Democrat versus Republican. It's hearts who are darkened. If you followed the situation in Washington... This is a sign of the time that we've entered into the war. Our Lady continues after she says, I guide you into a new time. She's in Medjugorje doing that. And now she says in this message, for a third time, the word time singularly. A time which God gives you as a grace. This is a grace for what? so that you may get to know him more. This is dividing time. This is wrecking ball time. This is fighting time. Three times. We are to fight. And some of those, like Susan Collins, who is always in the middle, who sometimes is going to the left, and sometimes going to the right, 
went completely right over this. That's the purpose of this clash, so that you recognize what Satan and darkness are doing. That will push the Collins out there one way or the other. You're either going to go to the devil and the darkness, or you're going to go to the light, to Christ. Senator Susan Collins, she moved and gave an incredible speech to the effect, never in her career has she seen that somebody had been set up like this, found guilty until found innocent. And she was appalled. But see, this is pushing people's spiritually to go one way or the other. So may there only dwell love for God for your neighbor. Thus, only thus shall you be able to discern the signs of this time. That's what happened to Collins. She realized the injustice, loving her neighbor, and she was able to discern. I am with you, he says, and I guide you in a new time, a time which God gives you as a grace so you may get to know him more. People in Congress, people who are watching, are really thinking about, hey, what's going on? God, tell us, show us. I don't like this. So now you can see this is part of the great struggle because you have to go one way or the other. You can no longer be on the fence. And this pushed many people and woke up many people and opened their eyes to see where we are with this. So let's go to our recent message, October 2nd. Our lady just gave it. She says, be courageous. Do not grow weary. At the end of the message, she says, listen to me. She is the voice of this time, this new time. Our Lady said that very clearly. Why? Because you, in this time, are going to be persecuted, assaulted for the purpose to know God more. Quote, you may get to know him more. This is what happens when you get persecuted. So that's how she began October 2nd, and she ended it with the same words. Listen to me, have courage, and do not grow weary. Through this whole charade, many people grew weary. Even Kavanaugh was growing weary. He was sick of what was happening. Trump was. People on our side of the light was. Because of the outcome, the changes would be monumental. The whole marriage situation, the abortion situation, and many other things on this court is at a turning point with the confirmation of Brit Kavanaugh. So where do we go from here? You have to travel across the centuries because our lady said discern the signs of the times, plural, throughout history. Let's go to the beginning. Let's go to John. Let's go to Patmos. What happened in Patmos? Everything about the future. We are broadcasting from the island of Patmos. We've been in the cave with 20 pilgrims who came out of a group of 70 out of Medjugorje a few days ago and ended up here. And I would say I've been in the cave at least eight times. And some of us have been there several times. We've been walking the streets of Patmos. Several people walked to the cave and back to the hotel. Just walking these streets, these hills, these mountains, you can see 2,000 years spanning of the signs of the times throughout history that we are privileged to be in the moment of what John saw and what was dictated to Prochorus in the book of Revelation. Prochorus, of course, was the deacon, and the apostle John dictated it to him. Our lady told us, you be apostles of the revelation. She didn't say it plural. She said of the revelation. The revelation of what? 
We are understanding things we did not before. Just on this visit, my own eyes have been opened to many things. In the footnote of the Bible, they say this. And this is what's told in the seminaries. And this is why the church is sick. It says, speaking about the book of Revelations, we may look upon the opinion followed by the learned men. And they quote several greats. And then they look at the book of Revelations. They're studying it. And one quote says in the footnote, quote, in time, others think that St. John's design was in a mystical way by metaphors and allegories. So you see what it says? This is what the priests say. I had a priest stand up in Medjugorje in June. I was there talking about revelations because I'd been there in May at Patmos. This is my second visit now. And this priest sat up in front of everybody. You can't say that. This is only symbolic. It's only metaphors and allegories. It was never meant to be understood or interpreted. This is garbage from what the seminaries are doing and have taught and told through intellectualism. If it's metaphors and allegories, it contradicts John's words himself in chapter 22, verse 10, saying, And he saith to me, that being Jesus saying to John, Seal not the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Revelation is going to be understood in the moments that it is given to be understood. Yes, it wasn't understood a thousand years ago. But our age with us now, and we're seeing the time is at hand. Not the whole book, because it does span some time. And the first part of Revelation is talking about the seven churches in Asia Minor and giving a report card to them. So that's allegories. That's metaphors. Those things existed. And some were not doing good. And so that was addressed. Throughout the ages, Revelation can be applied. So at a different time, Revelation is going to come into being. And that's what the whole thing was about, was about the future. And this priest told me it's allegories. Let's go deeper into this. Let's go to verses 18 through 20 of chapter 22. This is where he's ending his writings, John, after this vision and what he spoke about. And this is important to understand the signs of the times throughout the history to now, that the time we're entering into is a time of revelation. This is incredible. It's exciting and it's very powerful and very profound. So here's the verse 18 says, for I testify, John saying this, for I testify to everyone that hears this, that these words of the prophecy of this book, that if any man shall add to these things, God shall add unto him the plague written in this book. Now, does that sound like John is talking about allegories with a threat like that? Neither does that sound like a metaphor. He continues on verse 19, quote, And if any man shall take away from the words of this book a prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. That's pretty strict punishment for playing down the book of Revelation. That it is really meant to be very tangible to our life. Quote, shall take away the words from the book of this prophecy. God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from these things that are written in this book. So you see, John is being repetitious. 
he wants to make sure in the future nobody's going to say this is allegories or this is metaphors or it's just fairy tales or it's just symbolic which is what the priest told me in Medjugorje it's just symbolic oh it is I wrote a whole thing about that the woman with 12 stars the moon underneath her feet crushing the serpent's head that's just an allegory that's what the visionaries see Revelation is coming to life to us. Now, Revelation does go to the end of the world. But we're at chapter 12. Verse 20, quote, He that gives this testimony of these signs says, Surely I will come quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So why is John so serious about you can't add or subtract? You're going to be punished if you don't take this seriously. January 25th, 1993, a lady says, Today, I call you to accept and live my messages with seriousness. And we're told, oh, don't be so serious. Don't look too deep in the revelation. Why is it in the Bible? Why is it here for 1900 years? All right, this message goes on. These days are the days when you need to decide for God, for peace, and for the good. May every hatred and jealousy disappear from your life. Our Lady continues in the same message. Further down, the only way to recognize the signs of the times and to discern it is if there is love for God and for your neighbors. So many people are blind. So how does this work? We just won a battle, and yet we all saw it. We're up the creek. Everything with Kavanaugh was overwhelming. The power to crush good was enormous. But a lady spoke to us on October 2nd, 2018, how this works. Be courageous and do not grow weary because even the smallest good, the smallest sign of love conquers evil, which is all the more visible. How does that work? A lady tells us further down the message speaking about Jesus to come to know his love to follow in his footsteps means to have a wealth of spirituality. What does that mean? Why is she saying wealth? What is she talking about? She continues, this is the wealth which gives good feelings and sees love and goodness everywhere. That goes back to the January 25th, 1993 message where there is love for God and for neighbor. Then you can see and discern the signs of the times. Why is this important? Because we are up against a mighty battle that we just saw, we just experienced, that was unwinnable for what they were doing and the power that they have, and yet, what did they say? Wealth. What is wealth? What brings a good feeling? That we have now the ticket to kill abortion that killed babies and many other things we're going to wash away. That's a good feeling. And it will spread love and goodness everywhere. Our Lady continues to say, Apostles of my love, my children, be like the rays of the sun, which with the warmth of my son's love, warm everyone around them. And that's where we're headed. And she continues with that. The world needs apostles of love. This is the battle. But the point I want to make to you 
is the wealth she's talking about is that the smallest good, the tiniest good, equated just to pennies, just a pence, of the smallest signs of love, she increases into wealth that comes when you give it to Our Lady because she can magnify that in front of God's throne worth millions of graces in comparison to the smallest good and the smallest sign of love. That is the economy of salvation. That an investment is an amazing thing, she said. And what does she say it does? She says even the smallest good and the smallest sign of love conquers evil. We're up against something mighty in these last two months with these hearings. And we're going into things in the future that's so big, so evil, so dominating over the world that we now are being released to confront this with the smallest good, the smallest amount of love, and through the power it has to conquer. You may do something you don't think has any impact, but you've got it now through the Virgin Mary's hands. When you pass it through her, you got atomic bombs conquering evil. We're released. We've been given the green light. We need to go. We need to go to the bishops and say, let us spread Medjugorje in your diocese. That's what the August 30th, 2018 Special World Report is about. You need to listen to that. Go back to that broadcast and learn it. We can demand for a green light from Medjugorje. We need to demand it. It's private revelations. Why are we being banned from diocese? We're not going to sit here anymore on this. In fact, I'm thinking about starting a whole project called Greenlight Medjugorje. And we're going to demand from the bishops to put materials to speak about Medjugorje. You can't stop us. The church says private revelation can be given. I'll put something together when I get back in the States. And I've been thinking about this. It's time to confront. And it's time to get active. We have plans on the drawing board to expand our extended community. And their work out there across the country and the world is to confront the bishops. You are stopping something that is the answer. And we're no longer going to sit at the red light. The red light sometimes changes and you go across the intersection. We're there and we're going to demand it because it's our rights evangelize and you're stopping us no more that we're not sitting around anymore and at Pamus here it is incredible what I've learned I'm going to be writing about this we don't have time we can't go through everything we're in war John was thrown on this island in exile it was a hundred percent pagan and he changed it to a hundred percent Christian not 99.9 but 100 percent and you come from all over the world to Medjugorje, and you go back dispersed across the whole world. Wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this, whether you're in Africa, you're in Australia, you're in Manhattan at the top of a skyscraper, we are in the position to love and the smallest good that will conquer evil. She's given us everything monthly now, showing this, phasing into this way. These are the signs of this time, like the history of the early Christians and what they did in their time. But now we're in a new time, as Our Lady says, which God gives to us as a grace so that we might get to know him more. So just to make a comment about what a friend of Medjugorje is sharing from Patmos, I've just been here for a few days coming from a our time in Medjugorje, 
And it's new territory for me. A friend of Medjugorje is here last May with his wife. And already there is a depth of what he's experiencing that I can say I haven't experienced. But I do sense that there is a very deep connection with Patmos, with the cave of St. John and with Our Lady and with her saying, Apostles of the Revelation, which was the main thing that really propelled a friend of Medjugorje in this direction of Patmos. So I'm excited. I think the pilgrims that are here with us are excited because we understand Our Lady has already been revealing things to a friend of Medjugorje. But it's been my prayer more than having an understanding myself that God, Our Lady, the Holy Spirit will inspire a deeper understanding of this place in the heart of a friend of Medjugorje, knowing that he will transfer this understanding to not only us who are following Our Lady, but to millions in the future who will come to know Our Lady of Medjugorje and who will start making the connection through what he's going to write of what's happened in this cave 2,000 years ago with St. John. And already we was just seeing the, it's pretty amazing to walk these streets, meet the people of Patmos, people who grew up here, whose families are here. And they sense something in a friend of Medjugorje. They grew up with this cave. They grew up with knowing John was here. And yet a friend of Medjugorje has something to him that they don't have. I'm, again, kind of an observer of what's been going on. I'm seeing people that a friend of Medjugorje met in just a few days in May, and yet they remember him. And they are intrigued by him being back here again. And they're wondering why he's bringing groups here now, or wants to bring groups, not to do the tourist things, but to actually go visit the religious holy places because most people that come here, even to visit these places, you can see it's just a superficial thing. It's not in depth. It's not to enter into this vision of John. And so I'm excited. There's a sense that we're moving into a new revelation about revelation that connects to Medjugorje. Our Lady with the 12 stars around her head, clothed in the light of the sun with the moon under her feet, John, the beloved, who there's a church that's called Mother of the Beloved, meaning Mother of John, who was the beloved of Jesus. And he was the apostle of love. So I, for me, I, I was a little frustrated because I could sense there's so, so many things here that are, are just ready to be revealed. And I'm impatient to see what Our Lady is going to speak and show a friend of Medjugorje. So I know that he's going to be doing a few more pilgrimages next year with Patmos. I don't know where it's going, but I do understand that it's important for him to be here, to pray here, and to see what Our Lady has to reveal here. The thing that really hit me on this trip they didn't come to me in May, is that the connection between here and Medjugorje is very, very profound, very big, and very connected. But nobody could see it because we didn't have the ability 
of looking at Medjugorje through the eyes of Patmos or Patmos through the eyes of Medjugorje. If you look both ways and go on both sides, you see this connection. And that's why Revelation says, seal not the words of prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. You think I was just dropping these messages about time and times and signs of time, how to read them. You need to love God. You need to love your neighbor. Revelation somewhere along history is going to come to life and it's in life in this present moment. If not now, when? I wrote about that. Now we could say 2,000 years ago, we couldn't know what it meant and we didn't except for the seven churches and some things, but the rest of it was not able to be understood. But we're living in a moment for what John said, for the time is at hand. By external signs that show us. Discern the signs of the times all through the ages. Now you entered into this time. And it is not plural. It is singular in Revelation. For the time is at hand. January 25th, 1993 again. I am with you and I guide you into a new time. We are in that time. It is at hand, a time in which God gives you as grace. We're in a wondrous moment, and no one, no theologian, nobody in the past has a view through Medjugorje to see what she, Our Lady, is here for, and that is for revelation. So it's very exciting to see these things being revealed right in front of our eyes through the messages of Our Lady. That's so very tangible to what happened 1900 years ago in the cave with John, who was also at the foot of the cross with the Virgin Mary, who was given her as an inheritance and on behalf of all of man, whose mother she became. And one of John's favorite sayings was, little children, where did he get that from? Except Our Lady. There's so many signs tying this together. We saw today a painting. Who painted it? Where did it come from? What is the book of Luke about? Who wrote it? A doctor and an artist. And there's a known painting that he painted that is on Patmos. So we were taken to a point on Patmos where we could look out over the GNC and there was a big rock out there with two Ks in it. The one to the right, a painting was found of the Virgin Mary. Evidently, it was placed there to preserve it. I had no idea it was here on this island. I'd read about this decades ago, that there existed a painting that Luke had painted of the Virgin Mary. We went to where the painting was. We prayed in front of it. This was very profound, very powerful. This goes right to the days of the apostles. There are so many things tied to a lady here that she's a center. And where is her place in Revelations? It goes from the seven churches to the end of time when Jesus comes back. There's 22 chapters plus the epilogue. I lay right there at chapter 12, just in the middle. As the woman of Revelations chapter 12 with 12 stars about her head. That's a coincidence? She's got 12 stars and she's up in chapter 12? You know it's not coincidence. So she lands in the middle of Revelation by God's design. And then you've got the rest of the book. So much is there. So much is uncovered through the messages. We're only giving you a little tidbit that we can say in this broadcast from Patmos. 
And this started last winter for me. I started being drawn to Patmos. I wrote about Ivan, about what he writes, and then out of the cave in Revelations. I didn't even plan a trip there. I was drawn there as part of our lady's walk, as part of sending her apostles to discover the real true reason for her coming. So sitting here, looking at this cave, we're revelation from this hotel room. We want you to know that we're praying for everybody who will be listening to this. All those who have helped this mission. We need your help to expand it. We're in a time we have to be ready for everything because it's unfolding faster than we ever expect it to be. We are refrained from doing things and taking actions that we can do simply because we don't have the financial ability to do it at the moment. And there's so much that can be done. But we need the wealth of your prayers to make that work. And we need your support. And so it is. We find ourselves in the Aegean Sea, an ocean, with the isolated island of Patmos, the place John was exiled to. We're finding revelations that's being discovered now of what he was given 1,900 years ago. I'm sitting here on this broadcast, staring at the mountain, at the spot of the cave where the book of Revelation was written for our time. Not for metaphors or allegories, but for those who in that time would be able to see and understand what has never been understood before. Because the Roman of Revelation is now telling us. So from Patmos, with many prayers and blessings, we say to you with all our heart that we wish you, Our Lady, we love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomics broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.